WCNC Charlotte. This is Flashpoint, where power and politics collide. Thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint. I'm Ben Thompson. The midterm elections are less than two months away, and there's a bipartisan group that wants you to know your elections have never been safer and more secure. The North Carolina Trusted Elections Tour will host a series of more than a dozen town halls around the state this fall. This week, they'll make a stop in Charlotte Tuesday, Belmont Wednesday, and Albemarle on Thursday. Joining us now, former Charlotte Mayor Democrat Jennifer Roberts and former Republican North Carolina Supreme Court Judge Bob Orr. Thank you both for coming on. We appreciate it. Great. Thanks. Good to be here. Uh, this is a, a pilot program set up by the Carter Center in North Carolina and uh, several other states. Uh, I'll begin with you, Mayor Roberts. Why North Carolina? Why now? Well, as we all know, we saw some uh, irregularities in 2020. There were some concerns about the integrity of our election process, not just here in North Carolina, but all over the country. The Carter Center has expertise in monitoring elections around the world. They wanted to bring some expertise here, but they wanted to do it locally. So that's why folks from North Carolina are working here in North Carolina. And we know that we're a swing state, all right? We have some really important elections on the ballot. Uh, we have a history of maybe, you know, protests and a few disruptions here and there. And so we're a good state for them to uh, try to bring some uh, expertise and seeing, you know, how we can help restore trust in our election system, how we can help with transparency and make sure we have a calm, peaceful process in November. And Judge Orr, why is it important that this be bipartisan in nature? Well, we all know that the, the partisan divide in this country seems to get wider and wider, and, and yet the, the election process is the, uh, the real underpinnings of our democracy in this country. I mean, if we don't have elections that Republicans, Democrats, unaffiliated uh, other parties uh, don't have confidence in, then you're eroding the confidence in, in our democratic process and in our government. And so... Uh, it, it's critical to have uh, people of both parties and uh, really have been pleased with uh, the, the response from a number of Republicans uh, who have worked over the years with the election system and they've been more than willing to, to appear on panels and talk about all the things that work in North Carolina. As part of this trusted elections tour, you're hosting town halls in each congressional district across the state of North Carolina, each with a, with a set of speakers that you just alluded to. Uh, Mayor, what can people expect if they come to one of these town halls? There's several of them in the Charlotte area this upcoming week. Absolutely. So we're going to have experts who have been working on elections for literally decades talk about the process. You know, the average voter goes, fills out their ballot and leaves and doesn't think about what happens to your ballot afterwards. But there is a lot of preparation. There's a lot of safety and security. There are backup measures in place. There are backup measures in case, you know, a storm takes the lights out and <laughs> the machines you know, have to get on a, a generator. You know, these are all these uh, things that happen that make sure your ballot counts, that your vote counts, it's safe and secure, there's not double voting. And people are going to hear from county election directors they're going to hear from county board members a republican and a democrat because each of our county boards uh, have three democrats and two republicans and they're going to hear from attorneys who will talk about what what do the what do the courts do you know what are some of the lawsuits you've heard about how are things resolved through a legal process through a, a peaceful process through the rule of law 
and you know how do we know that your rights are being protected and those panels um have really told some great stories we've had three events up to now and we've just heard um really interesting stories about things that have happened um that our election officials have have handled and resolved uh, bob or what's the end game here uh, after the town halls what what does success look like for for this group well as jennifer indicated this is a pilot project on behalf of the carter center uh, there are three other states that are doing similar programs uh, in georgia arizona and uh, in parts of florida but i think the 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 end game for us in the 2022 cycle is to see what works what didn't work what what needs there are and how the Carter Center can take what we've learned here in North Carolina and these other states and going into the 2024 presidential election, uh, try and expand the, these programs around the country uh, to other states. And I do want to emphasize one of the things we've learned in all of this is the extraordinary pressures and in some cases hostilities towards election workers uh, and election officials. and. Uh, one of the really rewarding aspects of what we're doing is the response from these officials about how important this effort is so that the public understands that, I mean, this isn't just a simple process where you show up on election day. I mean, it is a sophisticated 100 county uh, operation under a, a framework of laws and regulations with point. Uh, four million North Carolinians registered to vote. So it is an enormous process. And, and uh, part of this is to help and support the election workers, Republicans, Democrats across the state. More of our interview right here next on Flashpoint. Welcome back to Flashpoint. We continue our conversation with former mayor of Charlotte, Jennifer Roberts, and former Supreme Court Justice of North Carolina, Judge Bob Orr. I want to talk about as much as what this is focused on, but what it's also not focused on. This is a bipartisan group focused on election security, but you're not really delving into issues like, say, voter ID or, or redistricting. Are you, Mayor? Well, the questions have come up because we do take questions from the audience and people are curious about how do you verify someone when you don't have them show an ID? And so, you know, that question about what is the process for making sure that that is the voter who, you know, say they are, that can be answered. Uh, and our directors have done a great job of doing that. Um, in terms of the policy, you know, somebody asked last night, when are we ever gonna settle this issue? Because it's been back and forth in the courts. And there were some legal experts who could talk about, well, here's where the process is, here's the appeal, here's the federal case, here's the state case. And so people get information, um, but it's not, we're not presenting policy positions. So we don't have people saying, well, I think we really need voter ID. You know, no one on the panel is gonna say that. They're gonna say, here's, the process we understand that it is in the courts and here you know here's what you can expect we also are not talking about you know how many days of early voting are fair that kind of thing every once in a while we'll have an attorney say well in my opinion you know this case was resolved well but we are not on the panel putting forward policy positions the carter center does not have policy positions uh, we are we are here to follow the law that is in place and as someone on the panel said last night if you don't like the law that is in place, that's why it's important to vote for your representatives. Yeah, I, I, if I can add to that, sure. I think that you know the the 
500 pound weight hanging over elections is, is the controversy over the 2020 election and quote the big steal and the, the purpose of these forums is not to debate or or even get into that we have had uh, cybersecurity experts who based upon their expertise have talked about uh, how the 2020 election from a cybersecurity perspective was the was the best run safest that the state uh, the states uh, and the country have had and so um, you know while that's an issue that you know is floating out there and people show up who you know whose lack of confidence in the election system is based on what happened in 2020 um, our cybersecurity experts are there not to uh, propagandize or or try and convince people but just to give a factual recitation of the kind of security measures that are in place from the federal level down through the states to make sure that foreign countries or, or foreign organizations uh, somehow break into the system and disrupt the elections. Judge, to that point, let me drill down on that. What do you tell Republicans out there who, after the 2020 race, uh, can't be convinced that, that, that our, our voting system, our election system is, is safe and secure? Well, that's what we're trying trying to do as part of this tour is take people, and there are people on the Democrat side that you know don't have a lot of faith in the election system, and so it's important the people that we're putting on these panels, and I'll use Phil Strack as an example, very prominent uh, Republican lawyer, not just in North Carolina but around the country. He's represented Republicans on redistricting and a variety of issues. Uh, I mean, to have Phil Strack say, you know, we have a great system of elections here in North Carolina. I have confidence in how it works. You know, it's not perfect, but we have uh, practices and ways of resolving problems. I mean, that's an important message, uh, particularly on, say, on the Republican side to hear. You know, individuals who are experts and who are, you know, rock solid, loyal Republicans telling them, hey, I've worked in this system and it's safe, it's secure, and it's fair. You know, something that Bob said is interesting, that we do have skeptics on both sides of the aisle. And so in democratic circles, there are worries, you know, machines that are manufactured by Republican organizations or whatever. I mean, there are skeptics. We're not here to say, you know, here's how you should be thinking. We are here with experts to present information about here is the process, here are things. And look, these election directors are, are honest to say, yeah, you know, one or two, you know, times someone will vote twice and we'll miss it. You know, so there are human errors in the system. But the overall feeling is that, you know, these are mis honest mistakes that, you know, a student who didn't know they couldn't vote where they were in school as well as where they were home resident, they didn't know they couldn't vote in both places. And it took a minute to, you know, for someone to, to see that. These things do happen by accident, um, but there is no evidence in the cybersecurity or the system or the hand count of ballots or the audits that take place every year randomly hand counting with all the paper backup we have. There's no evidence of any concerted effort to throw things. Now, the one thing that happened in North Carolina with the ballot harvesting in the ninth district, we've heard people talk about that as well. The system worked, 
the the signature matching they saw that there were hundreds of ballots with the same witness signature they started to investigate they didn't certify we had a redo the system worked and that's what we're trying to present good information current information from the people who do this every day for the last you know many of these folks michael dickerson you mentioned 20 years experience we're trying to give them good information so they can know when they go we want everybody to vote when they go to the ballot box, they know that vote's going to count. You know, one of our cybersecurity experts, who's a professor at NC State University, said, yeah, there are ways to, you know, violate the system. But he says, there are so many practices in place that you're going to get caught. And why would you risk going to jail on a felony, you know, for messing with one vote or 10 votes and, and so uh, again it's the message of saying the system isn't perfect but we do have safeguards in place that if somebody tries to mess with an election like in the ninth as jennifer was talking about you're going to get caught and you're going to jail the system works as the, as the mayor said all right so let's say people people can't make it uh to, to one of these town halls happening in the charlotte area this week um how can folks find sort of reliable, verifiable information about the integrity of elections here in North Carolina. I'll let you both have the last word on this. First, Mayor. Well, we're doing a virtual event. Uh, we're having one September the 19th is when it's gonna be streamed live on Facebook, but it will also be recorded. And so folks, and Michael Dickerson is gonna be on that one as well. Uh, folks can find that link um, once it's recorded and uh, on that website, nctrustelections.com, and, and watch it later. Uh, they also can go to uh, the North Carolina State Board of Elections website. Uh, they have um, upgraded their security. That website has the latest information from the state board that is regulating all these processes. They can tell you where you vote, you know, when early voting starts, all that. Um, also, individual counties have County Board of Elections websites. And, and that's really the best place to get information. One of our partners is the League of Women Voters, and they also have Vote 411 uh, and are happy to answer those questions too because they want people to know how to vote. Judge, I'll give you the final word. How should people vote, feel about going into the uh, midterm elections in two months? Well, they should go in with a great deal of confidence and I hope a great deal of enthusiasm in exercising their, their right and their responsibility to vote uh, and determine who our elected officials are. But I want to put a plug in for local election boards. We found out over the course of this effort that, that they're aggressively trying to reach out to the public to say, hey, if you have questions, if you have concerns, talk with us. They're, uh, they're putting on programs where they're inviting the public to come in and see how the, the system works, uh, both from a technical standpoint and a practical standpoint. Uh, and uh, people just need to take advantage of, of these resources. And I will put a second plug in. We need to be spending more money helping the workers in our election system uh, have enough staff and enough resources to continue to do the great job that we expect. It's such important work. Um, all right, Mayor Roberts, Judge Orr, thank you both for coming on. We do appreciate it. Great, thanks for having us. Thanks so much. Take care. More Flashpoint after this. Welcome back to Flashpoint. This week, a new Charlotte City Council was sworn in. 
Council members Marjorie Molina and Dante Anderson serving their first term. You see them there on the left. And then Lawana Mayfield and James Mitchell making a return to council. Braxton Winston unanimously selected as the mayor pro tem. It's a job that normally goes to the at-large member who received the most votes in the election. That would have been Dimple Ashmira, but she declined the nomination. WCNC Charlotte's Julia Kaufman has more on that decision. Yeah, Braxton Winston is entering his third term on Charlotte City Council, this time as mayor pro tem. Typically, the at-large council member that wins the most votes in the election is chosen as mayor pro tem. But tonight, Charlotte City Council changed that tradition with this vote. Congratulations. After being sworn in, the new city council's first matter of business was choosing the mayor pro tem. Winston won unanimously. I am grateful. Um, uh, for, for the belief that my colleagues have in me. The role of Mayor Pro Tem is assuming the mayor's duty when she's not there. Winston says he looks at previous Mayor Pro Tem Julie Eiselt for inspiration in uniting the 12 voices on council. When you have 11 different voices, 12 different voices, and um, uh, the, 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 the magnitude of decisions that we're having, uh, those can sometimes get disorganized. Councilwoman Dimple Ashmira received the most votes in the July election. Many thought she'd assume the role, but she declined nomination. I do not want to put my personal ambition over the work of the people. When pressed on why she voted for Winston instead of following her ambitions, Ashmira says it's important to be united. It comes down to just personal decision where I did not want a divided council. I wanted unified council with one voice. Winston and Ashmira are two of eight returning members, including Mayor Vi Lyles. They're joined by four new members, two of which have experience on city council. This will be a shorter term than usual due to the delayed election. Council has 15 months to get work done in this term, and council members say they're going to focus on applying the UDO, affordable housing, and mass transit. In Uptown, Julia Kaufman, WCNC Charlotte. Up next, the teacher shortage at CMS. Welcome back to Flashpoint. CMS now seeking short-term solutions to the ongoing teacher shortage. Starting this week, they're calling on current employees to help out in different roles. WCNC Charlotte's Brianna Harper shows us how a temporary co-teaching opportunity could cover more than 70 classes in need. Less teachers, more problems. Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools now working to fix that. WCNC obtained an email sent to CMS central office staff licensed to teach in North Carolina is asking these employees to help fill about 74 classroom assignments at a number of different schools. A temporary fix to the ongoing teacher shortage impacting CMS and school districts all across the country. We would love to be in a position where we're able to attract our educators so that we can start off the school year with all of the staff that we need to properly run the schools. At-large CMS school board member Jennifer De La Hara says state leaders must step in to help make the difference that the district just can't do alone. We really need legislative support and I do want the public to know that the Board of Education continually advocates um, for teacher pay raise, for benefits increases, you know, uh, master's pay, etc. The nearly 150 central office staff needed to co-teach in the classrooms will each be paid $1,200 a month and must work at least 10 school days each month. 
The hope is that vacancies will be filled by mid-November and staff can then return to their typical roles. In the meantime, the need to recruit and create a successful teacher pipeline is becoming more and more critical. If we don't have qualified workers, meaning our educators who are teaching our children both, you know, basic reading skills, technical skills, soft skills that they need to fulfill the uh, a modern workforce, then we'll feel the effects to come for, for a long time. Brianna Harper, WCNC, Charlotte. Before we leave you, it's worth mentioning 21 years ago today, terror struck America. Hijackers taking over four planes, leading the devastating crashes in New York City, Arlington, Virginia, and Shanksville, PA. September 11th, the date that changed America forever. More security at airports, wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, and nearly thousands, thousands of families losing a loved one forever. An important reminder of one of America's darkest days, 21 years later. Folks, come interact with us on social media. If there's something you want us to talk about here on Flashpoint, let us know. And as always, remember to listen and to subscribe to our podcast. You can find it wherever you get yours. And we'll see you back here next weekend.